0: And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're joining us on this episode and I'm excited to introduce you to Natasha Keisler. And we actually just met recently and I was noticing some of her posts and particularly about the whole area of psychedelics and mental health. And we're gonna dive into that in a minute, but I want you to get to know her a little bit. But if any of you have ever been curious about all the talk that's around psychedelics, mental health, um, then we're gonna dive into that a little bit. Tonight. I love it. And so, Let's uh, go. Yeah. Um, so thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. You
0: bet. You bet. Well, let's get a little of your background. I always like to to hear a little bit of sure. the origin story of Natasha or my guest and tell us where you grew up and give us a little bit of your your family background sure. and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Lee Summit um, and grew up in uh, a white family, So, which was... Right out of the gate, an interesting thing for a kid in the 80s. Um, grew up in a very abusive family. Both with,
0: parents are white.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my. Yeah. <laughs> right? How'd that so happen? Adopted. So, I was well. adopted by my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and um, so my mom got remarried young. Very, I was told a lot of stories. So, you know, you never know really what the truth was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not have a connection to my biological dad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and your
0: biological dad is black. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then your mom is white. Mm-hmm. And then, but who, who ended up adopting you?
1: Is my that- mom's. Husband who was okay. white, also okay. yes, gotcha. There like we go. white, and when I say yeah, yeah, it. yeah, and when people are shocked, like my love for country music. I mean, I I grew up with country. Yeah. So. Uh uh-huh. um, But even f- more fascinating, when I did meet my dad years later, um, he loves country music too. So oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I grew up in Lee Summit. Just a very, um, both of my parents were alcoholics and drug users, and an abusive home. So I came, which is really kind of probably how I came to this place that I'm at now is trying to work my way out of the lifestyle that I Mm -hmm. lived in. Uh, my mom's side of the family is all, you know, either an alcoholic or they've been in abusive situations. Um, it is, you know, we came from a family of abuse, but you don't talk about it just mm. sweep it under the rug and you know, buy you something nice the next day yeah. and, and everything is fine. So that's kind of the basis of how I grew up and-
0: Was that true through your elementary, junior high and high school?
1: Yes. Like yeah, that was all, until- that
0: whole, Your whole growing up yeah, years. Okay. all of my
1: growing up years until I was close to 16 um, when one of my aunts found out what was happening at home and she flew me out of Kansas City and I never went back.
0: Wow. Yeah. Where'd you fly to?
1: Ohio, Loveland, Ohio. Huh. Yeah. So I have. Is
0: this your mom's sister? My
1: mom's sister. Yes. Yeah. So my okay. mom has three sisters. Okay. And um, two of them just stepped up, came in. They took care of me to the best that I think that they could. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew up in abusive situations as well. Mm. So I probably, w- without question, needed therapy and needed some help. But what they did was they got me out we didn't talk about it um and life just went on but they did the best that they could they at least got me out of there okay so um and that was yeah that was until i was about 16 years old Hmm. so
0: wow so then you moved to ohio in high school
1: so i moved to ohio and that was in the summer Gosh, maybe the summer before I turned 16. And they gave me a choice. Do you want to um, live with this aunt or do you want to live in Virginia with this aunt? And the aunt in Virginia was younger. I felt a little bit more connected and comfortable with her. So I moved to Stafford, Virginia for, I don't know, maybe a couple of years.
0: Where is that near DC?
1: It's about 45 minutes outside of DC. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So we went to DC a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I lived in hampton virginia for three years which is down in the very southern okay right by the uh james river dumping into the chesapeake so south of the james there you have norfolk and virginia beach and north of the james you have uh hampton okay newport news right on the chesapeake yes But i actually enjoyed it out there
1: i loved it out there
0: history yes there's always something to do dc's Mm -hmm. a fun town it really is a really yeah
1: fun place and been
0: there in a long time i need to get back
1: yeah i took Mm -hmm. um i took the kids last year and we went to visit Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just a really just so much history and it's a really cool town Mm -hmm. so really like it um and then i moved back here
0: and what, what drew you back to Kansas City?
1: I think I just just, um, again, I needed a lot of mental health support and I needed help. And I think I just, we get so accustomed to the chaos that calm feels unfamiliar when we haven't worked through a healing process. And I think.
0: So even though you're in a family environment that wasn't abusive anymore. Right. Um, just the.
1: It was so unfamiliar. Yeah.
0: The cumulative effects of all of your growing up years were you were living with that trauma
1: yes yeah yeah i was living a trauma and Mm -hmm. i had i was an only child growing up i had step siblings but they didn't live with us they only came very few and far between um but i didn't know how to operate as i I did i really didn't know how to function Mm -hmm. when you raise yourself and you don't have a lot of people teaching you. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me to make friendships. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me to just function because I was really mentally not well Mm -hmm. um, and had never been taught. It was hard for me to figure out how to be an adult for many, many years. Um, Because when you have trauma, you almost get all your responses start. And like I would respond like a five-year-old, that was my, that was my first moment of sexual abuse. Mm. I was five. And mm. so what I've learned in healing and therapy and everything else is that my brain, it's like you almost get stuck in that place. Emotionally. Emotionally, yeah. yes. And that's how you respond. That's how you handle friendships. That's how you behave. And so emotionally, I didn't realize I was kind of a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty hard to function.
0: Yeah, I've heard this from many people. Yeah. yeah we can, addiction kind of, stunts our growth for a season yes right? very for much as, for as long as yeah yeah or addiction or or just trauma trauma yeah yes. yeah so you move back to kansas city yes you're carrying all this trauma um what do you do in kansas city as a as an adult you know now? so you're out of high school now I
1: right yeah. yes and so i was probably gosh 19 and that's the one thing when that I've noticed, even going through the healing process and dealing with trauma, my memory is always foggy. Uh, on well, what was that timeline, or when did you come back? And I, you know, I will meet people in the store. They're like, "Oh my gosh, hi! We went to school together," and I don't have a clue who they are um, because my memory is just so foggy. Mm. But I would say I probably was eighteen, almost nineteen, and um, hanging out with the wrong crowd. Just partying all the time because, mm. again, I didn't know how to function. Yeah. And I grew up with people that that's all they did was drink and drink and drink mm-hmm. and drink. Um, I used to be able to drive my mom home from the bar when I was 13. Wow. I drove the car, that's, that's how I learned how to drive. Wow. So, um, Double Crown, I used to drive home from the Double Crown in Lee Summit all the time. Mm. Um, and uh, so came back, hung out with the wrong crowd. I ended up getting pregnant and when I got pregnant at 19, realizing I cannot live this life again. I'm not living the life that mm-hmm. my mom led with me. I'm not bringing someone else into this world. And that's when I realized I have to do something mm. and I got to figure this out. Um, so I got married super young and, um, you know, did what we went to church because that's what I thought would be the answer to all of our problems was just no. go to church and someone would tell you how to live your life. Yeah,
0: were you doing, like when you were growing up in all the, the addic- were, were your parents still taking you to church even as a kid?
1: Oh, or- so as a kid, my grandparents would drop me off okay. occasionally huh. um, at, oh, where, is- some church in Raytown, High Point maybe, I think is what it was called. (laughs) Um, And uh, every once in a while I would go to the children's church and sit in the back of the pew and, Mm -hmm. you know, I definitely did not belong there.
0: So then what got you into church when you were a teenager partying and getting pregnant? What, you were still going to church? Well,
1: I wasn't going to church then. That was after I got pregnant that I realized I needed something. Okay and you
0: decided church might help
1: you know i thought so i had met someone in liberty um when my daughter was so it wasn't probably until my oldest was about a year that we started going to church Mm -hmm. um i met someone at a um who owned a um like a rehabilitation facility um and they were the nicest people i'd ever met you know they all went to church together and they invited me and i'm like well this has to be Hmm. It's gotta be something and so that's kind of where it all started okay is that i started there just desperately looking for someone like an
0: evangelical church no it's like,
1: like a non-denominational just okay yeah
0: but like jesus bible centered
1: oh yeah yeah church. yes and for sure
0: like you give your life to jesus get baptized yeah that kind of stuff yeah
1: and, and i knew and going in even still now i knew nothing you know mm-hmm. i didn't they would Quote scripture, and they were talking about things that I'd never heard of in my entire life. So mm-hmm. um, for a while, I tried to stay in the back because you know you always feel like, or for me, I felt so stupid mm-hmm. because I had no idea what any of these people were talking mm-hmm. about. Okay. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started, and then marriage got bad, and which I don't know that it was ever great or even good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just did you for me, it was a way the out.
0: Father, of I did not. Okay.
1: Um, so so, married
0: somebody else. Uh huh. Yeah. More
1: kids. Yes. So we had two more. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, he adopted my oldest daughter. Okay. So, um, and, and then we had two more, but I think that it was a safety thing for me, which was kind of a, not even fair to him Mm -hmm. is that I didn't care about anything else. He just seemed nice enough.
0: Yeah.
1: And I just didn't. Like I, I was back living at home with um, both of my abusers, mm-hmm. and I just wanted out. Yeah. So, that's what I did. Yeah. And, um.
0: So move us, move us into uh, from there. So now you've got three kids yes. married. Yeah. Pull pull us a little bit further. So I've got
1: three kids married, um, surprisingly married again into addiction. This time was food addiction, which was very strange for me to understand because I'd never been addicted to anything. Mm -hmm. I never smoked. Uh, My stepdad was the first one to offer me drugs. The thought of it terrified me because I think I was watching them and I didn't want anything to do with Mm -hmm. those people. So. so it just wasn't, that wasn't me. And so I never understood addiction because for me, just stop doing it. Uh, and, but my ex-husband's was food addiction um, and still something that he battles very much. And he just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And um, he weighed almost 800 pounds when we started going to um, a different church. Mm-hmm. And I, um I had asked somebody at the church that we were in, a pastor, and she knew I was just really struggling. And she said, I think you need a different place. And she sent me to a different church Mm -hmm. in the Northland. And I went and it felt more like, it just felt more like me. Mm -hmm. Um, The music, the worship, everything, I felt like I found a place better Mm -hmm. and I fit in, and then maybe I could get some help at home. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we ended up was there um that didn't go great at all after a few years it went great for a couple of years mm-hmm. um then you know life happens and i realize now in my healing how much we sabotage ourselves mm-hmm. when we're not healed mm-hmm. and we don't even know it and yeah. it's all like when i see people now i see decisions that i think maybe in the past i would have thought what are you doing and now i think oh what is your trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i exactly. know exactly that and that yeah. is my question yeah. every single time is that if we could see people from their trauma yeah and not the decisions that we would make right we would have so much more grace and compassion 100%, 100%. for people Absolutely. and because what i have realized is you step wrong in the church and you will see the ugliest people that you have ever seen in your life. I had, and it was so unexpected to me. I thought that these people would rally around and like I'd made this huge colossal mistake and um, the letters, the anonymous stuff that I got in the mail, I'd never seen anything like it from Mm. what I would consider worldly people and the church just came out like I'm so sorry like I think uh, that if they could have burned me alive they would have uh, <laughs> so uh, um and that pulled me out of the church yeah because that was not what I thought it was just so unexpected to me um and then I was just really now I was in a really bad place in my marriage mm. and I had no church and all of my friends you mm. know from church had just completely disappeared. Mm. And now you're standing alone. Now what?
0: Yeah. Well, I can relate a little bit.
1: Right. (laughs) And that's where I got into figuring out, how do I heal this? Mm. Because whatever this is, is not me. Like that's not a decision that I would normally make. So what do I do Mm -hmm. to heal whatever it is that's going on inside of me? And that is where my quest for healing started yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. beautiful thank you for sharing all that um yeah so let's dive into that a little bit okay what is this what does this healing journey look like for you and um how did it begin Mm -hmm. what if let's dive into that what yeah how did it begin you know so
1: i um I well, I was a massage therapist, so I went to massage therapy school. Um, so I was had this, bef- this was before before so the before whole, all okay. the you know explosion of mm-hmm. life, and so I went to massage therapy school. So I was a massage therapy. So I was into wellness already, mm-hmm. um, and I had done everything EMDR, um, yeah, hypnosis therapy, psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I'd done medication, and but nothing was nothing was doing anything. It was maybe making me think a little bit about what I did, but I just, I had the same trauma, the same crippling fear of the dark, the same, just every, I was a self-sabotager. I could get into a situation and it would be great and I could find a way to just destroy it unknowingly. Um, and I had a friend finally come to me and say, Hey, I want to tell you about some work that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she'd been flying out to California and she told me about it. And I thought, well, I've done that once before in high school. No chance. Mm-hmm. Like it was the most horrific experience of my life. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking about it. And I told her that I did LSD and she's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is guided treatment and it's done with magic mushrooms and you know in my mind i thought lsd and not knowing that they are not they're not the same thing Mm -hmm. and so that's when i started my research is could this really do something for me because i was just i was killing myself Mm. and and i wasn't doing drugs or drinking or anything you just get into that state of just despair and You just, it's like a snowball. You just keep snowballing one bad decision after another. Mm. Um, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in my business. I couldn't like, and I thought, so then I'd watched her for a while and I'd been friends with her since our daughters started kindergarten together. And she just had this presence that was peace that I'd never seen before. Mm. She was calm in her responses. She never got too worked up. And I thought, okay, I'd read enough. I wanna try it. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and I did a guided session out in California. And it was still to this day, and I've studied many things, the most profound experience I've ever had in my life. And I will say it not only brought me back to spirituality, where I was in this place where I thought, there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. We just die and we're done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's no purpose in all of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And man, that was just, so profound and so eye-opening that mm. at that moment, I knew that I had to dig deeper into this and study and become an advocate for mm. mental health, especially people that grew up in sexual abuse mm-hmm. situations.
0: Hmm. How, how did you, so you went to California? Yes. How, who Did you just find this person? Did you no, know they were recommended per- to me. By, so I okay. had by
1: my friend that was here in Kansas okay. City. So they and were- this
0: was somebody who was trained? Yes. Okay. This is
1: what they do for a living.
0: And what Yeah, so let's yeah. I'm curious about like what does that training even look like? So, you know, it's, especially because it's still
1: federally illegal.
0: Right. Similar yeah. to similar to marijuana and right. federally, right?
1: Yeah, but you know. there are always this there's a network of thank God underground healers mm-hmm. who still do the work and still dig into the medicine and they're still out there risking their own freedom for the mental health support of others. Mm. And to me, that was so fascinating. And when I went, I was of course terrified and nervous and they were the kindest people I had ever met in my life. And they have this just sense of calm and and peace that you don't get from most people. Mm. And I remember going into that experience terrified and also thinking, I can't even afford to be here. You know, mm-hmm. I was so scared. And this woman said, Stop walking around like this hmm. and trust that the universe is gonna take care of you. So just open your hands. Because hmm. if you don't open your hands, nothing good will come to you. And you've walked around with your whole life like this like clenched fists. Yes, tight, clenched fists, yeah, enticed. And she said, What that. good can pour on you? Mm. when you're walking around like that. And for whatever reason, it was one of the most profound things anyone had ever said to me. And I was, I thought, oh man, she's right. And she goes, drop your shoulders, mm-hmm. just, just relax. And that was within minutes of meeting her. And she just, but her tone and her presence and everything was so calm. And I told her, I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done drugs. And mm. she said, you've never ingested plant medicine is what you mean. Mm. And she said, drugs are things like Tylenol, <laughs> Advil. And you know, she just kept giving me this whole list. And she said to me, I could give you a, a jar full of this plant medicine that I'm gonna work with you with, or I can give you a jar full of Tylenol. You can take both. One will kill you, one will not. <laughs> You tell me right. which one is the drugs, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, that makes right. perfect sense." And so, I did this experience, and I remember when was it was. It just
0: one session.
1: It was one session that I did with mm-hmm. at, at that time. Yeah, um, I've done many sessions right. since then. And but this,
0: you flew out there, did one session. Yes. And
1: and it changed everything. I I mean, us, it, was, it was so fascinating help, help and they're really hard to explain. But for me personally, um, I remember going in and I got instantly like the coldest I've ever been in my life, this headache that was from the depths of hell and my stomach was sick. And I am thinking, what have I done? This is the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. And she said, you're fighting you're fighting entry, trust the medicine and let the medicine do the work. And I'm like, I'm not fighting anything, I'm miserable. And she kept telling me, stop fighting, stop fighting. And all of a sudden, like everything around her turned this neon orange, like the sun. It was so bright that I could not look at her. Now my eyes are hurting. So I have a migraine and I have this bright beaming, shining orange light in my face. And all I wanna do at this point is get me out of this. I don't wanna be in this because that's something they tell you. If this is experience is too hard, we can pull you out, but we're gonna to try to let you sit in it. And I'm like, I don't wanna be in it anymore. I don't like this. I was maybe 30 minutes into the experience. And she said, I'm gonna go get my husband. And I'm thinking, I already, already don't like, I already have male trauma. I don't even know that I want this man to be in this room. And so he- And this
0: was- was this your your first husband? No, 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 no. This is you're already. She, you're already.
1: Well, she was going to get her husband, oh, not her mine. Husband. Oh, yes, okay, sorry. not mine. That's okay. Like,
0: okay. Who, who no. went out there with you? I, I went out by think. myself, and okay, that was gotcha. one of
1: the things. And um, man, my dad was so freaked out that I was going out to do this by myself, oh. and he kept saying, "You need to bring someone with you." And but I knew I couldn't. Yeah. Um, not because, I like it wasn't allowed. I knew for whatever reason, I knew I was at this point that if I don't do this on my own right now, because I'm afraid of everything, it's never gonna work. Mm. I have to go by myself. And so she brought her- she got her
0: husband. Yeah, so she brought her
1: husband in. And when he comes in, it is, like I see this trail of blue following him, like this very, um, like really low opacity, almost like a sheer curtain of blue following him. And about, so I'm on the floor on like a mat, And he sits about where you are and he just sits and my headache stopped, my stomach stopped hurting. I immediately warmed back up and I could still see the gold because it was like it was coming from her. But he like walked this line in front of her like a curtain that I could still see it but it wasn't so powerful that I just couldn't absorb it. And he sat for just a second and he was like, you're all right, breathe. And it was like, who are these people? Mm -hmm. Like, I've been into counseling sessions. I've been into church where, you know, my pastors are like, well, what's wrong? You know, they're so harsh in their delivery. And it was just so opposite of anything I'd ever experienced. And I remember looking at him and thinking, oh, okay, I'm all right. And I just, for whatever reason, I knew I was good. And he said, just relax. You are in partnership with the medicine. You have to let it do its job. Hmm. And I said okay. And um, I there was he had a fireplace burning, and I remember the fireplace log immediately turning into a snake. I hate snakes. <laughs> I would rather die than be in. I don't care if it's this big. I hate them. I'm terrified. And I was like, okay, I don't like the fireplace. I need you to turn it off. And he said, what do you see? And I said, the fireplace log is turning into a snake. I can't, I'm like a big one. Mm. And it was, I was terrified. And he goes, oh, beautiful. It's a sign of transformation. You're getting ready to do something big. Just let it guide you. And I'm like, I don't Mm. like, I don't like, I don't wanna look at it. I don't like it. And he said, I'd like you to give it five more minutes. It is a sign to tell you, you are getting ready to have a very beautiful transformation. Mm. And your spirit animal, which, i didn't believe in is probably a snake <laughs> see what else comes after that i saw them in everything and everywhere it was wild
0: interesting
1: and yeah so
0: who did we interview matt uh that had was that uh who was the rapper we interviewed that talk, from hawaii that talked about spirit his spirit animal like that's a big hawaii in hawaii the yes the, the native yeah yeah Dare yeah it was
1: derison yeah that's right and then
0: yeah
1: um you know so i i sat with it and then once i sat with it and i started seeing them and everything for whatever reason the fear just like in an instant it left hmm. and i knew oh okay they're here to show me something so,
0: so i love snakes I, I used to catch them as a oh young God. teen. And I hate I had them. them in the, I, had, I had them in aquariums. I'm not saying I don't do this, but yeah, I had pet snakes.
1: Yeah, that would have <laughs> never, ever, ever been a thing for me. Never.
0: That's so interesting. Oh wow. So what was? So how long did the session last? So then, my
1: session was about five and a half hours. Wow. That I was in the experience, um, and. The most profound part of that experience for me was um I I closed my eyes he told me to close my eyes see where it took me and I saw this like a big white door frame that was mm-hmm. black all the way through and one of my biggest fears and this is a lot of people's fears when you like hear them in um, like research studies, that they're afraid what's gonna come up, which is why a lot of people don't heal in general, Mm. because I don't wanna see it again. I don't wanna have to face it again. So if I can stuff it way back here, then maybe we don't ever have to address it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like carrying around tar in your body. And so that was my biggest fear is, I don't wanna go back to that torment Mm -hmm. of what happened. I don't wanna see it again. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna relive it. Mm -hmm. And they kept telling me The medicine is kind and, but that didn't make any sense to me at the time. Mm -hmm. It's not here to torment you, it's to help heal you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I just didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And, but going back now, of course, having that experience I do, but I saw that door and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. I've got to go through the door. And then I saw my dad's presence right beside me, my biological dad. And I told them, I see a door. I think I'm supposed to go through it. I'm scared because I'm afraid of the dark, like petrified. And it was black all the way through the door. But my dad is here. He's not saying anything, Um, but I think he's going with me. And they said, great, go. As soon as we got to the door, it slammed so loudly that it startled and shook me. And it was like my body just turned around in in this experience, it sounds so crazy. And I felt like something physically leave my stomach. And I heard this download clear as day, stop wasting your time on a place that no longer serves you, turn around. And it was like, it was gone. Hmm. You could have told me that, everybody could have told me that. And uh, it was just gone.
0: Wow. Interesting. So you, you went back home. Yes. And you felt What felt different for you?
1: Everything felt different. The way that like, even in the experience, I saw my kids come into the experience and I saw different light patterns around them. And so afterwards you go through, you you know, you tell, you can tell your guide, whatever you want. You don't have to tell them anything. You can tell them everything. You still have total control. I knew what i wanted to say i knew when i needed to get up and go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. like it's not like you're in the scooby-doo alternate universe um and so they integrate and they help you make sense of everything that happened but i remember seeing my kids in a very different light like my middle daughter she is you know we just butt heads it's like a power struggle with her all of the time but in my experience I saw her surrounded with this really strong purple light all around her. And then a studying I found out like well that's just because she's she's got a lot of power but in my experience it was like I heard instead of fighting her, if you could be grateful that you were gifted the ability to birth a person into this world that is so incredibly powerful mm-hmm. and strong headed, if you could be grateful for that, mm-hmm. parenting her would be easier. Mm-hmm. And if you would just slow down, like it, it completely re- rewires your default mode network. It allows access because in, when you're in the experience, it shuts down our main pathways of our default mode network. So what we know to be true, and it opens up multiple other pathways. That's what it's creating. Mm -hmm. So now we have access to different tools in our body. There's some
0: neuroscience behind this. Lots of of neuroscience behind this. Let's pause for a minute. Um, um, And I wanna, those of you who are uh, listening to this, I'm I'm gonna pause and have Natasha share with us a little bit about, some of the research side Mm -hmm. to this um but uh yeah if you're uh if you're a regular listener to spirituality adventures thanks so much and i'd encourage you to um go to spiritualityadventures.com and uh, join our support team you'll get special bonus content from all of our guests as well as um some other features there you want to check those out um, but we would really appreciate it. We depend on the support of our listeners to, uh, continue to do this. So, yeah, so let's, let, let's pause and talk a little bit about the current state of the research around, um, magic mushrooms. Yes. Psilocybin. Psilocybin. In particular, there's yes. other types of like ayahuasca. There's a few other mm-hmm. types of plant medicine.
1: There are all kinds. But, so any entheogenic plant mm-hmm. um, that has psychoactive, uh, mm-hmm. it, um, that is a psychoactive plant. Sorry, um, would be considered a psychedelic. So that's it, cannabis is included in that as right, well. Right. Yeah, right. cannabis, ayahuasca, iboga. Um, it com- is from Africa. Um, Cambo. Is the toad that probably a lot of people are seeing? They burn like little burn marks in mm-hmm. your arm. And that's, um, there's lots of different psychedelic in medicines. In Ethiopia,
0: they have this stuff called cat. Yep. You know what mm-hmm. that is? Is that, a, is that in that same family or is that a different family?
1: That's an entheogen as well. Yes. Is it? Yeah.
0: Interesting. It's a, it's, they chew, it's like, it looks like a bamboo. Sh-
1: there's all d- there's, kinds of ways to take it. Some, mm-hmm. um, there's psychedelics that you um, sniff that is, and that one I have not done much research on. Um, Cambo is like the frog serum that they just put into your arm. Um, Hmm. Ayahuasca you drink, there's-
0: What's ayahuasca from?
1: Ayahuasca is, yeah, ayahuasca is a root that I believe is primarily in um, like Peru. Okay. Uh, Iboga, they are using successfully to treat extreme, again, underground, which I feel is very sad, but they're using it to treat extreme heroin addiction. Mm. It is such a rewire of the default mode network that they are able to rewire that, just that need. And because when you come off heroin, it's extremely Mm -hmm. painful. And
0: um, Yeah, and the research on the brain from an addiction science standpoint yeah um is is uh they, these you know when you get addicted you develop these neuro pathways like mm-hmm. you just said yes but that are that are actually these they then they get dug kind of deep it's, it's
1: literally like a trench
0: yeah yeah and they and then it's just your like it's just so powerful it draws you right into that trench every time and you go right back to that Mm -hmm. addiction over and over and over again and so um like even if you like even if you're doing alcohol i was on i was addicted to alcohol and xanax right so i had these trenches right and um and i had done that every day for about two and a half years so they were pretty deep yes right so just just stopping that Uh, I mean, you know, it went to rehab and, you know, I've been four years since I've done any of that. And but it takes 90 to six months or more just to begin to heal that. Mm -hmm. And that's not even necessarily rebuilding new neural pathways. Exactly. Yes. It's just healing the old one. And then the, the crazy thing is about. And I don't really understand this, but I mean, in the, you know, cause I work in the recovery world, um, you, you can heal that not have done it for 20 years, let's say, but really hardcore alcoholics, if they go back to it 20 years later, mm-hmm. now I don't know if, if the, if the magic mushrooms would change this dynamic, but, um, if you go back to it, it's almost like you pick up your addiction right where you left it off yes but your body doesn't have the natural resistance built up anymore because you haven't used it for 20 mm-hmm. years and there's there's some alcoholics who start drinking again after 20 25 years of sobriety and they they're dead in three months yeah because, like, their, because their
1: liver
0: just yeah i don't yeah it's whatever anyway yeah. so it's uh It's a weird world, but. um,
1: Because your body has not built up a tolerance any longer.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't
1: process it the same way.
0: So in the 60s and early 70s, I think Nixon was largely responsible for putting not only marijuana on a Schedule I drug, but I think in 1972, the mushrooms were outlawed as well.
1: Yeah, it was part of the war on drugs.
0: And the part and the problem with that is, is that these these natural plants that let's say god provided for us
1: they're criminalizing <laughs> yeah, nature
0: it. well nixon even did it to put blacks and latinos in in prison so that they couldn't vote like he's literally this is like literally historically it was horrific yeah. if people
1: understood it was absolutely horrific yeah. what he did and
0: As a schedule one drugs, it eliminates all the really good medical research that could have been done the last several decades. We would know so much more about these plants had that not happened. So it's been a huge disservice to uh, the development of these healing medicinal natural routes.
1: If these natural routes, if we were one, if nature was not criminalized, which is (laughs) <laughs> it's really absurd if you think about uh-huh, it. It's uh-huh. our universe. How is that yeah. criminal? Yeah. But you can go drinking and yeah. that's no problem at all. And
0: yeah. I always thought it was insane to make alcohol legal and marijuana illegal.
1: It doesn't, if, if, if like, you knew much about it, it makes absolutely yeah. no sense it's whatsoever. It's yes.
0: Total insanity. You can stop by a liquor store and drink yourself to death in about three hours. Yes. You could stop by our, our now medical marijuana or, you know, our dispensaries yep. around town and smoke for three hours and you might get weirded out and sick or but you're not going to die.
1: No, Right. you're, you're not probably going to take a really good nap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, and then my friends and I will always say, you know, I've seen people on alcohol drunk do
1: it's embarrassing so
0: much crazy shit yes and drive their cars around Mm -hmm. and kill people and yet you know marijuana people just get chilled out and laugh
1: (laughs) yeah eat a a few snacks
0: (laughs) get the munchies yeah you know it's like so Mm. let's weigh these two you know it's just it's insane it's Um, uh
1: it's rooted in money and fear and racism mm. but people don't yeah. understand that anymore
0: yeah up and smoke is a history of marijuana it's a really good historical book
1: it's amazing have you read that yes
0: <laughs> yeah i i love that book everybody read up and smoke yes and it's not cheech and chong it's uh anyway <laughs> i used to listen to cheech and chong albums when i was a teenager <laughs> oh gosh okay so and then here's the other thing um I was just at the Wild Goose Festival last weekend, and I heard a guy named Hunt Priest, who's an Episcopal priest, Mm -hmm. who was a part of uh, John Hopkins back in like 2015 or 16, um, somehow got around all the federal laws. John Hopkins has been probably the best university to get around federal laws and actually do (laughs) legitimate research on medical marijuana and like um, the mad, the mushrooms. Yeah. Lot without of stuff. question. Yeah. And but because, uh, a lot of the other universities haven't been able to, to get around it. Yeah. And so a lot of the good research on marijuana has come out of Canada and Israel actually. Um, when I, I worked for a medical marijuana company and I actually compiled all of the best research studies on marijuana into one big folder. And, uh, Actually helped. Uh, uh, we we actually helped host a little conference at UMKC Medical School with uh, with MD doctors who had actually researched the medical benefits of, of marijuana, and we put on a conference. Uh, well, you know, this That's, was this was after I came out of rehab. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm helping raise money for a medical marijuana company. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. Um, john hop this guy hunt priest was in the they got a hundred pastor priest spiritual leader type people who had never used psychedelics Mm -hmm. to be in this study and hunt was a part of that and it's been fascinating uh he started a a deal i'm gonna hope to get him on on here
1: that would be incredible
0: Um, but yeah michael poland is another person that comes up a lot Um, so there is a lot of research happening now um and and what's it pointing to what what or what how can these things help all this research that's going on
1: so the the biggest thing that this helps with is um really it's the neuroscience behind it um that it heals our brain and when we can heal trauma when we can heal those damaged neural pathways so that even 20 years later you're not going back to that because it's not there um and this healing it's treating severe depression um depression that is um, treatment resistant. So treatment resistant depression is, I believe if you've tried four different medications and none of them are working. And what antidepressants do, SSRIs, are actually blocks our serotonin receptor. That is what psilocybin attaches to, is I believe our SRT2A, receptor um, is what it attaches to. And that is how it begins the healing process because again, it also shuts down our default mode network. So those pathways that we always go to. And so now we can't communicate that way. And so when you're in an active session, an active trip, the default mode network is shut down and now you're creating new neural pathways and new ways to talk to your brain new ways to communicate all of those things so that's why it's such a healing is because we're rewiring our brain we're finding the trauma addressing the trauma healing it now we have new tools Mm. um some people describe it as like um you know when you get the the codes to a video game and you can have new weapons or new tools and you get the secret codes that this treatment is like getting secret codes because now they can operate better because they have different tools mm-hmm. and they respond so much differently mm-hmm. when they're on this treatment.
0: You know, what's fascinating, Like, so I'm doing a two year training in uh, a mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. and, um, and they're. The, the people that I'm studying with, um, Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield are also connected to some of the um, uh, neuroscience, uh, best neuroscience centers in America. And so some of the studies behind mindfulness meditation are similar in terms of the way it heals the brain. Very much. Uh, and, and so what's fascinating is that um, the, the research behind mushrooms has a similar impact on the brain this is where this is all headed as meditation does yes it's so fascinating to me um and uh yeah the anyway um yeah.
1: any of my even um you know clients that come through so i lead um meditation groups and when people realize that you can just sit in a meditation it's, it's really just teaching how to get to that point where you can rewire your own brain, Mm -hmm. you know, it has the same healing properties. Mm -hmm. If you can just sit, breath work, holotropic breath work Mm -hmm. is just will blow your mind Mm -hmm. when you realize that your breath is your lifeline. So if you can learn to control that, Mm -hmm. you get so much more control over Mm -hmm. everything else in your life. When we're panicked, we stop breathing. When we're scared, we stop yeah. breathing. All of those things, when we're having anxiety, we stop breathing. When you get control of that and you can recognize it, that's a lot of what this treatment does is just giving your body an alert system that you can actually pay attention to. Because so often our body has an alert system, mm-hmm. but we system override. Mm-hmm. This work really prevents you from being able to system mm-hmm. override. You have to listen.
0: So our amygdala, is the most ancient part of our brain right um it's the fight flight fear part of our brain yes and it's where we store trauma and Mm -hmm. it's where it's it's the source of our ptsd issues right yeah and and then it that part of our brain uh is always searching the horizons of our life for threats to protect us actually to protect us in the ancient you know tribal you know hunter gatherer eras, you know, you could get killed. So your brain, the most ancient part of our brain tries to protect us from predators and that that kind of thing. But now it's now it's overreactive. Yes. And it creates uh, this trauma is constantly like if I had a friend who was, you know, in, in Iraq and had a IUD go off, and it was in a it was in a box. Well, he can be driving down the highway if he sees a box on the side of the road. He thinks he's going to get blown up. Yeah. Right. And and there can be other things that trigger that that trauma response. And so, the one of the benefits that we're learning for is so it can help depression, but it can also help that that trauma stuff. Right. Oh,
1: absolutely. It, it, Yes, very much so. So they did a study with um, military veterans. This is recent, mm-hmm, right. um, like just a couple of years ago. Um, and they took them all on an ayahuasca retreat, which ayahuasca and psilocybin are very, very similar. And uh, lots of psychedelics are very similar in how... They Mm -hmm. work within the brain. Um, And so they took these military vets that were, one of them was on, over the course of the four years he had been back, 90 different medications to try and get his PTSD Mm -hmm. and anxiety Mm -hmm. under control. What a horrible way to live. Mm -hmm. And what a horrible way to treat the people that, went and, you know, fought for our country. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming back and all they're doing is medicating them. Well, they took a group of them on an ayahuasca retreat. I believe they were in Peru. And the most fascinating thing, like he was just saying, I can't drive down the road. Um, he's watching all of the other cars. If a car is approaching too fast, you know, he hasn't been able to really connect with his family because he's always on guard. That part of his brain is just overload. And so he went to do this treatment, obviously terrified to do this treatment because the lack of control, but he had had four or five suicide attempts that his kids had been active. Like he's like, I'm scarring and damaging my own Mm -hmm. children and I don't know what to do and I can't Mm -hmm. get any help. So he went and after they stayed and they did a retreat, so it was 10 days, so he did multiple treatments of ayahuasca. And when he came home, you know, they followed up with him months later, He is driving like normal. He is functioning within his family. He is not on any antidepressant medication. And he said, I had been home for four years and after treatment coming home from getting the ayahuasca Mm -hmm. was the first time I was actually home. Mm -hmm. That's what this medication, Mm -hmm. that's what this work is doing for people.
0: It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and this is in the higher institutions in America, universities, Um, this is, this is, uh, this is going somewhere.
1: Absolutely. I
0: mean, like 10 years from now, we're going to have, you know, your, your traditional double blind studies that go on we're, we're, this is going to accelerate. So yeah, we're not just talking about, you know, I was a seventies recreational drug user and I was just wanting to get high and have fun and party and all that kind of stuff. This is way more than
1: Oh, it's so that. much more than that and that and you know people will ask me yeah. you know can i just go buy some mushrooms off the street i wouldn't i don't think it you know that's a horrible idea yeah. that's not in any way what i would be promoting because the healing aspect is there's so much more that pours well, into the, the healing
0: thing yes you really need to if you ever try this you need to do it with somebody who's who's actually trained and yes. has some experience and do it with somebody with somebody yeah because you can you can dose yourself wrongly and then do stupid things and
1: and the, good, the the great news about this is it's non-habit forming at all a lot of people that are in recovery are very worried especially with alcohol it's not habit forming if you go out and do this every day it's just going to stop working there's not a like a ceiling where oh i can just do more and more and more it's done it's not attaching to yeah. your receptors and it's not going to well work. as
0: you pointed out there's actually good evidence that this helps Uh, it can heal addictions, it can heal trauma, it can heal depression. Uh, And and they're looking at some applications for end of life as well in the hospice realm as well. Absolutely. So
1: they have done, there's a study that they did with terminal cancer patients. I wanna say that it was done in Switzerland where they came in and did treatment and every one of them came out with such a sense of peace about what was getting ready to happen. And I believe everyone deserves that. Mm -hmm. In your final stages, how do you not Mm -hmm. deserve that? Mm -hmm. I could guarantee if this word treatment used in prison reform, we'd have a whole lot less people in Mm -hmm. prison, Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. whole lot less violent crime, all of those things. There's Mm -hmm. so much benefit to this medicine. I believe the creator of Alcoholics Anonymous. He was- Wilson? Yes, he was an alcoholic and Stopped drinking and came up with this program after a mushroom trip.
0: So I need to. I've. You're the first person that I heard that from. And
1: uh, go watch Fantastic Fungi. Okay. With Paul Stamets. Okay. Um.
0: You'll, I'll, I'll need to write that down. Yes. Um,
1: Everybody should watch I, I Fantastic Fungi. Be,
0: because it, it doesn't get, so I've been in AA for, you know, almost four years and I, ha- I haven't heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So there's some old timers, you know, in, in AA and I love them to death because they've just helped so many people get sober yeah. and save families and save lives and all that kind of stuff. It's a beautiful world. Yeah. But there are there is some nervous things thinking from the old guard in the 12 step world about some of this stuff. Of they, course, they worried that it's just another route to addiction is what they worry about, right? right? But but the research is showing that it can actually heal addiction. It's
1: well because it's we're the addressing yeah. the yeah. damaged neural pathway and the trauma. Yeah. Addiction is only there because of trauma. You're yeah. trying to fill something, so when that is no longer there, that need for the drink or the medication or whatever it is that you're doing, when that is gone, you've solved the problem yeah. for the addiction.
0: Yeah, and you know it's funny. I had some people when I came out of rehab and got into the uh, medical marijuana world. Um, I, I think people thought that, oh, Fred's just really gone off the deep end. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and and maybe that's true. I mean, I did I I did get off the rails, but uh, my honest motivation was like man, I was trying, I got on Xanax and alcohol because of insomnia Mm -hmm. and it was prescription Xanax, right? Of course it was. And that combination is horrible for you. Yeah. Like don't ever do it folks, (laughs) you know, and then, and my thought was that God, if there would have been good plant medicine research out, I could have done that and probably actually gotten better healthier
1: you would have gotten significantly better right yeah and
0: and not wound up in rehab and lost my whole career and everything and you know all that stuff right so that was really my deeper motivation yeah for getting behind the the medical marijuana movement you know and uh and i still feel that way like that's still where i'm at and and with the magic mushrooms i i've just seen way too much research and when i compiled all those documents for the medical marijuana research it's just it's gonna happen oh yeah we're, we're gonna know so much more but this is kind of the front edge of
1: there are 16 cities already in the united states where psilocybin has at least been decriminalized
0: right yeah. Denver was the first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And Oakland, Santa Cruz, California. They yeah. followed.
0: And no, I think Oregon has the whole state,
1: the whole state of Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we could talk a lot, but we're running out of time. Right. By the way, I, I recently, I saw your post where you Posted a picture with you and Mike Tyson.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I thought, wow. Yeah, that's cool. so I did um, massage in the VIP tent for our 420 Fest here, and Mike Tyson has his own uh, line of cannabis products, uh-huh. and um, so and he is a huge supporter of psychedelics. Mm. Um, so he has a podcast that he's done with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan and um, they're big advocates of psychedelic medicine, and when you talk to him he has healed so much mm. and he's just if you ever listen to him speak he actually is really incredibly profound i've
0: heard him and yeah i love listening to I him i love listening and to him It seems like he's got come to such a kind-hearted place and
1: i'm it, telling you that that is psychedelics
0: it feels so cool yeah you get this guy
1: <laughs> right yeah
0: so fascinating well um how if people want to f- you know follow you how do they get a how to what's your Sure. I
1: have um, business and Instagram page that is High Energy KC. Okay. Um, and they can follow me there. So.
0: High Energy KC. High
1: Energy KC.
0: And is that a website as well? That, as? so
1: that is all my social media platforms are all High Energy KC. So
0: Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, everywhere. Everywhere. Twitter. Twitter. Yes, it's all. You gonna do threads? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can only manage so much.
0: I know I am I'm, I'm just doing Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, but, um, I'm not a fan of, of, uh, what, what's happening with Twitter and
1: right. Yes.
0: Threads has already got over a hundred million. It's,
1: it's getting it's up crazy. there. My, so I'm many just of my wondering friends have like what, Twitter. yes. I'm like, what do I have the capacity for mm-hmm. to, to manage all these mm-hmm. sites? And I work so much by referral.
0: Are you still doing massage? Yes. And and the meditation and yeah. So
1: what I do other. primarily is education. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of conscious cannabis circles because cannabis is legal in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and so conscious cannabis, when done um, when dosed properly and mixed properly, it activates equally, at like just like a psychedelic, just mm-hmm. as psilocybin would do. So you can do that treatment here in
0: legally. Missouri legally. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: fast. I could, I could go for hours on this. Maybe yeah. if I, maybe if I get Hunt Priest on here, we oh. could have, a, I could get you to, you and Hunt together. And that we would could, be fantastic. We could, we could run down a rabbit hole. Right. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. think he met Michael Poland as well.
1: Yeah. Michael um, Poland is amazing. Paul Stamets is probably one of the most fascinating people that I have ever mm-hmm. encountered. And he tells, um, i real quickly, um his first mushroom experience. And he's a mycologist, like he's mm-hmm. brilliant. Uh, he ate like a whole, he probably ate 10 grams of mushrooms, which is by the way, entirely too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and climbed a tree in the middle of a storm. And he was a, ho- he never communicated with anybody because he stuttered. And I think he was in his twenties when he finally did this. Mm. And he said, he just got to the top of the tree in the middle of the storm and was like, stop stuttering. Just stop, just stop stuttering. And that was the last time that he ever stuttered. Mm. And he had stuttered his entire life. Mm.
0: So many things we have to learn about nature, this planet, yes. this, this planet that we have.
1: There is a lot on this and, planet and to take care of us. resources that are there. Yeah, if we would just pay attention and do the research, uh, the universe provides a whole lot yeah. for us to take care of ourselves and to heal ourselves.
0: Fascinating. Well, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in to Spirituality Adventures, we're so glad you did. And thanks, Natasha. Thank for you. joining us. I loved it. And uh, maybe we can uh, maybe we can uh, do this talk again. I'm so I, I'm fascinated by it because I I still have a pretty overactive amygdala, right? What yeah. I call it.
1: Uh, most of <laughs> most people do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So that's why I'm pressing into the meditation world, and you know, I I've found that it's been very good for me. And uh, yeah, so I I am I am very much. Uh, curious about where all this goes. Yeah. So anyway, it's
1: fascinating. All
0: right. Take care. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com and make a one-time donation or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.